To Retrosonic Podcasts. Uh, I'm Steve from the Retroman blog and tonight we had a very special guest Mr JC Carroll from the members and I'm joined tonight by Adam from the Jetsonics. Good evening. And here we start off talking to JC about his experiences with punk rock. Well the problem I think sometimes is that when they say you're a punk band they expect you all to you know to be spitting the audience and smashing things up and having a leather jacket with loads of studs in it Mm. and a Mohican, you know, an a B 80s punk, you know, or, or sort of a cartoon of Johnny Rotten, and it yeah. kind of puts a lot of people off, I think, you know. But also, into the 80s, it became the, into the hardcore scene, and, mm. and that's something that really wasn't what we were doing, you know. We were, obviously, we were part of the original punk thing, but 80s hardcore wasn't, it was... Mm. About screaming, letting out anger, playing really fast, and um, just just wasn't what the members were doing, you know. And mm. so it's sometimes difficult. People say, "Oh, he's in a punk group," and they think we're going to start smashing a pub up, you know. Mm. And it's nothing like that, you know. I think we're a kind of seventies rock band, you know, that yeah. started in punk, I suppose. I like your one, new wave. Is quite good. I quite like oh, new I mean, wave. Yeah. yeah, I quite like new wave, but obviously yeah. it's quite old yeah. than new wave now. It's, so. it's retro right, new you know. wave. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. retro new wave. Retro I, new wave. Yeah. yeah, but I think with the members, I I think they were always musically right from the beginning. A little bit separate from the a lot of the punk bands, weren't they? I mean, you know, you were doing, as I said, along with the Ruts and the and the Clash, but you were doing sort of that reggae influence stuff. Actually, our songs are very, very well. complicated, and mm. and um, we used to play these instrumentals, like surf instrumentals, and mm. and but it, during punk period, nobody battered an eyelid because mm. there was lots of odd bands around, you know. Mm. And we went, we made them. We were in a film called uh, Erga Music War that Michael White made. Oh yeah, that's a great we, movie. Yeah, it's a really great yeah. film, and we recorded our bit in. Um, in uh, Los Angeles, and there was Wall of Voodoo and uh, mm. XTC, and and you know, they just had just lots, of, and that was punk, yeah. and that was all that was new wave of punk, yeah. and it was just millions of different mm. types of. That's bands. that's true. That that movie w- was fantastic because it did sum up everything. You had the Cramps, I think yeah. you even had the Subs or something. You had au pairs, you had yourself, you had Devo. That's you're right. thinking everything was so different. Klaus Nomi was in it. The the beat. The you're thinking. Wow, that is such a mix of, of music and styles. You know, it isn't all like the eighties punk that we're thinking about. And that that's right, and it's <coughs> what was we all invaded America at, t- at the same time. You know, mm. and we all went over there, and 
Oh, because all those gigs were fi- was that filmed in America, wasn't it? Yeah, we we were filmed playing the Santa Monica Civic, okay. playing that um, gig, and we we arrived in say we had a hit in seventy nine, and we just went all around the world on tour, and then nineteen eighty we went on a huge tour of America, and they were determined to break us in America, so we we're doing loads of shows in America, and it was when we came back to England in nineteen eighty, we were told that you know punk is over. We were mm. told that um, that Scar was here, and yeah. and actually, if you read the New Musical Express, yeah. it was completely that that the punk was finished as far as they were concerned. And I I had a laugh with Jerry Damas once. I said to him, "Well, you know, you nicked our audience and he's and our <laughs> horn players because they took Dick and Rico," and he said, "Yeah, yeah, they all became and and I said, but." Scar only lasted about six months, where Punk was 18 months. Yeah. And it, then that was over. And then it was New Romantic. Mm. And, then, and then suddenly the Face magazine popped up yes. in the early 80s. Mm. And Hip Hop was the only show in town. Yeah. And so yeah. suddenly all of that was... And so they, they, they were recycling the genres really quickly. Mm. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It, it was really interesting... Whereas in America, it stayed underground and and it they, they grew it like a little, like a flower or something like mm. that. And eventually mm. Nirvana popped up fully fashioned in, yeah. in the 90s. And that was yeah. how they, they nurtured their punk scene, I suppose, yeah. and, and became grunge today. Yeah. Members, what, what? Because you were sort of so. I always thought different musically from what was around. Where, where did you get your sound from? Where were you get? Because you were you were from the, as you said, the sound of the suburbs. You were from Surrey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, well, you, but where did you get the reggae sort of influences from? Uh, um, I, I, I really like reggae. Um, I, I, actually, there was a funny. Um, Virgin Records used to have an upstairs room. In Oxford Street, you used to have a little room, a little record shop. And in the early 70s, it, you, you could buy all records you couldn't get anywhere else. And you could get the other underground records and um, big youth records and mm. Iroy records. And you couldn't get them anywhere else. Mm. You couldn't get them. And Virgin was a really good retail outfit then. So, yeah. so we got mm. really interested in this Screaming Target by Big Youth and all these really mm. mad records. So we were buying Velvet Underground Stooges and reggae records 
because they were really very different from the classic mm. dinosaur rock, I suppose. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was the and if you listen a bit to John Peel, was he starting doing stuff like that already? Yeah, in the, oh. dropping a bit of big youth now and then. When, was, when, when, did, did, and yeah, when did he start, John Peel, start playing his records? I think he was, he must have been doing it earlier than than the punk thing, wasn't he? He was doing yeah. some 75. I was brought into his, yeah. I was having a drink in Maida Vale one time and I bumped into his producer, a guy called Chris Lysett, and he, I said, I've got a new record out. And he said, well, come with me to the BBC. And I, we jumped in a car. It was amazing. And we went up this... And it was like Rapunzel. We went into this funny little staircase in, in Broadcasting House. And right in the, the top corner, it's like a spider in his den, was this guy, you know, um, John Peel. And he was a lovely man, you know. Yeah. But it, And so I was in the Holy of Holies <laughs> where, where, where he broadcast... Mm-hmm to a rat nation so I suppose the early members sound was, came from sort of yeah. the mad stuff that was on John Peel's yeah. you know because yeah. it was it was uh, mid middle mid 70s was quite interesting time I thought you know we were disco was big I mean disco was huge in 1977 you think it's yeah. the time of punk but actually yeah, disco is massive but it was a very interesting time so there was bits of disco I suppose in the members and bits of reggae and bits of surf and yeah, just bits mm. of everything mm. really all stuck together. Is your um, guitar? You got a lot of little surf influences on yeah, your guitar. Yeah, even yeah, now, yeah. haven't you? On like Bleak, which I like on the yeah, new album. Lovely. You've got the little yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we like that twangy, guitar. the safaris and, and and the twangy thing. And and we had the original members had two guitars, one doing the dirty and one doing the clean. It was me. And then we had these big complicated instrumentals. Chris Payne wrote one about the uh, making airplanes. big youth in there and there was some uh you know and so i when i joined the members of a very quite simple punk band four three chord punk band and i brought all these different things that i really believed in i suppose mm. into it and i suppose it was going a bit more arty or new wavy mm. i don't know i don't know we we, we just love guitar rock you know yeah. a bit quirky i suppose mm. you know it was it was a very interesting time, and I think very typical of 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 new wave bands. Yeah. There was loads of them like that playing. Yeah. 
Well, like you said, Graham Parker, you'd get the same people going to see Graham Parker as going to see you, right. as going to see Pragvac, as going to see anywhere. X, XDC. XDC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all strangers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be accepting all of them. That's right. And this idea that punk rock was this homogenised sound that was just like the Ramones, which it became. Yeah. The three chords and a leather jacket and skinny trousers. I mean, mm. they did it fantastically. What do we call this thing that people call punk? It wasn't really punk as what people know it now. It was sort of new wave or it was... I quite like the word new wave. It's not used yeah. very often, is it? Not now. I mean, I think new wave, you tend to think now of like the knack or those sort of, <laughs> those sort of bands. I used to have quite a disparaging name for it. It was called Thin Tie. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I used to call Block Party and the what was the other Scottish group with the disco beat? Um, Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, I call them Thin Tie. Thin Tie. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, that was. It was a little Thin Tie. Yeah, so you thin... be careful about that. I know because you got Thin Tie. Yeah, the Jet Sonic. That's you. The you know. You know when so, you was, look. so there was. We used yeah. to call it Thin. I think Thin yeah. Tie is quite a good genre. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. But I think New Wave tended to be. It was that punk turned into a little bit of pop music. So, you, I mean, Blondie were called New Wave, and yeah. Knack were New Wave, and there was, like, the Vapours, weren't there? Well, there was I mean, that, they it had disco, it had disco in it. Mm. And the Squeeze had a great record, Take Me, I'm Yours, which yeah. was like a disco record. Yeah. Yeah. Blondie's yeah. Atomic was a disco record. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So yeah. New Wave and disco were kind of in mm. the thing, and it's before it became this all-shouting, hardcore punk scene, which is... Mm. Which we have, we play the the punk scene in when we go to Europe. You know, it's a lot of mm. that. You know, and um, it's it, it's a bit annoying because they don't. Like, what's this about? You know, what's this other type mm. of music? But yeah. It's kind of a lot of fun and um, lyrically also very very interesting mm. because it's not mm. about screaming anger, mm. expressing mm. your dissatisfaction. There's all sorts of fun in the lyrics and and you know. You look at some of this, the songs that are written, I'm just, just loony. I mean, just great, you yeah. know. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, I think, um, if you think about the, the, the punk scene at the, the beginning, I mean, we talked about TV Smith on our last podcast, and you were saying that they had a problem with their second album, and that they brought in synthesizers, they tried to do different yeah. production, they tried yeah. to write their songs, and, 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 they, and it just flopped. It didn't work at all. Because everybody wanted the first album. It was like well, yeah. no, you had to you had to change you had to change and the thing was either you s s stood still or you had to make interesting movements because if you stayed and made the same identical type of records you would be in that kind of ghetto mm. so mm. and also everybody was growing up musically you know nobody really said to the stranglers so you can't have a five eight kind of harpsichord and everything because they were the stranglers yeah, yeah. I mean the stranglers are a good example of of what was punk that was completely different from mm. punk, you know. Yeah. You would either pander to the hardcore and just do exactly what they wanted, mm. or they, they had an album with synthesizer and everybody hated it. Yeah. When it exploded into the suburbs, that's when it became big time, because then, until then, it was a real clicky thing for of central London, you know. Yeah. There was about 300 people in the scene, but mm. when everybody else joined in, all the Herberts from all the... And everybody was mad for it, you know, mm. they really wanted it. Mm. It was just really exciting, and uh, and groups like you know Sham Sixty Nine and the Jam really did help that. You know, yeah. more bands from Surrey actually. Well, I think it was a case of, of looking at bands and, and realizing I can do this. It was that, for me that was the thing about 
that the punk, whatever you might say punk is, or people can write books about it, they can philosophise about it, they can do documentaries. What is punk? Is it the chaos of the damned? Is it the crass, the, the political uh, side? Is it uh, this? But I just thought for me it was the energy and the DIY side of it where yeah. I could look at bands like yourself, The Jam, and think that they come from places like, like I do. They're not from America. They're not from posh places in London. They can get out and they can play something. Yeah, that's right. They? Yeah, and they were, the people were very ordinary. There was a lot of people who were desperate to try and pretend to be Londoners or Cockneys and and from the from the city. And there you are talking about life in the suburbs. Well, that was know. that was really a really important thing we made. We decided that everybody, all the punk groups, were rushing to London. They wanted to get their photo taken against a brick wall and look like they were in a city <laughs> Cockneys and stuff like that. That's right. And now we made a decision that I you know, that we wanted to sing about. The boring places in England, you know, not the trendy inner cities, because people assumed that punk was a. Was Everybody was living in Notting Hill. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, or in Hammersmith or yeah. underneath the Westway, you know, in some sort of punk rock he Valhalla, you know, <laughs> sniffing glue and shagging Anita Pallenberg and stuff like that. And it was such a 487 bedroom squat. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, yeah, that's right, with Joe Strummer probably round to borrow a cup of hashish, you know. <laughs> but it wasn't. So we, so when we did wrote some of the suburbs, it was about we, you know, we wanted to write about the about Surrey, which is you know, not trendy at all. Mm -hmm. But Surrey, which produced quite a lot of punk rock, the Jam and Tom Robinson, Sham '69, yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, like um, the Rolling Stones and the the groups from the blues boom. They all came from Surrey. All the great mm. guitarists came yes. from Ripley. Eric Clapton came from Ripley. The yeah. Stones Richmond came from out in Kent. And and Kent yeah. and so it was all quite. And my my explanation of it was that uh, there was nothing to do out there, fuck all to do. So you just play the guitar. Yeah. And then we got good and then we crawled the stuff up in, drove up the A30 in my van. And, and that was a perfect song for, for summing that up, wasn't it? Yeah. For what, where I, you know, I mean, where, where I come from and where most people who are in bands did, did it obviously it spoke to you didn't it yeah yeah definitely without a doubt you know and also Pete, Pete Shelley sat on your shoulder and he spoke to you in his whiny voice and said god this is you know this is a man talking about you know love <laughs> 
with that Punk Britannia series a little bit where you was on the BBC yeah, I did recently. An, I did an hour long interview and, I, and they told me that it was going to be not just about the Sex Pistols and the Clash and I felt it was yeah. a bit too much about the Sex Pistols. I, I felt that. Actually. I thought the first programme was good about the, the Dr Feelgood yeah. and the pub rock and I thought the main programme was a bit disappointing because yeah. I was expecting to see a little bit more about the, 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 the variety in Punk, the slits X-ray specs, yourself, yeah, yeah, the Stranglers, yeah. the and UK subs, the, and they don't get a mention. Bands you know. from Harlow and Romford and yeah, yeah. Hastings and mm. they were brilliant, yeah. and they all sprung yeah, up, and they were all really yeah. good. And and um, it, you know, there was just thing like the back of my hand, the jolt. You know, there was lots of yes. jam style bands. There was lots of really mm. interesting little mm. mod combos and and. Uh, all writing really good songs, mm. short, sharp pop songs. I mean, it was the rule of the pop song. Suddenly the pop song came to the fore. That's mm. what New Wave was about. Yeah. Mm. All these brilliant, short, sharp songs. Well, oh, it's, yeah. the, it's the rebirth of the scene, wasn't it, as well? three-piece rock rock and roll band again well because there was a, we wouldn't nick tesco wouldn't do it for years and uh when i was 50 i got all the bands i've been to in the last all my life to get that three different bands together and it sounded good and um that was in 19 uh, that was uh 2006 and then people said well why don't you do some more gigs and, and nick's not well enough to do shows and so and also he's not, he doesn't really go out and play in bands much, you know, he's been a journalist for a long time. And, and so, so eventually we just bit the bullet. We so, Nigel, the other guitarist of the members, was going round the world with the vibrators and we were a bit jealous saying, you know, we want to do it as well. So yeah. we put it back together again and we got tours and we got to play huge shows at the Isle of Wight and Glastonbury and uh, I really enjoy it. 
I, I, how do you and Chris find sharing the vocals and that? Do you, that's uh, great. I mean, that's re- really works well. He does probably a bit more than me, and uh, I I love just being able to play the guitar. You know, yeah. it is the dream of a man in you know at my age to be able to play with a great drummer and a great bass player and go out and turn the martial up to yeah. eleven and really rock out. You know, yeah. it's just really good fun. I suppose with the England members album, I've tried to make a punk album, make mm. it more punky, and it's not as punky as it could be, but I thought, oh, well, I've got to make a punk album because I've been making lots of different records, you know, so... But it's not really hardcore punk, you know. No, I mean, I think it's sort of classic members, isn't it? I mean, you've yeah. got the mix of everything on there. You know? yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. a bit of the heavier songs, but you've got the reggae, you've got the, the different styles. Yeah, the new yeah. bike on drums is quite good. So how did you get hooked up with Rat Scabies to, to, to join? Right, um, we had a pretty brilliant drummer who lives in Eden called uh, Nick Cash, and we were about to go to Germany. And um, Nick phoned me up and said, I've got a heart problem, and I need to have some stents put in my... And I can't do the tour. And I recently met Dave Rat through a, a produ- our producer, Dave Allen, and I phoned him up and I said, and he said, oh, I've got something cancelled, and I'd really, you know... And so he came out and it was a, you know, we, we got on really, really well. And the band, I don't know how to stress it, it does sound really, really good. And mm. some people mm. say yeah, this is the best I've ever seen yeah. the members sounding. And it's the new version of the mm. band and it just is really sounds really good, you know. Yeah. People are always not the same, it's not the original lineup and stuff like that. But it's great, you yeah. know. He's, he's, it's like playing with Keith Moon, you know, and... and, and, and um, we have a rapport, myself and him, definitely yeah, on stage, so. you know. Mm. What can you say about Rat? I mean, people think that he's... Another thing, people think he's some sort of cartoon character. Mm. Uh, punk rocker that will start smashing the place up or, you know, spitting at you. First band you've been on, when you briefly in another band with him? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we had a band with him. Really he and we oh, see Didi Ramon. Really? When I had a shop in Notting Hill Gate, <laughs> this is about it's about fifteen years ago. Didi turned up and he, I, I said, "I've got rehearsals." He goes, "Oh, I've got a band." So he knocks on the door and he says, "Got Rat Scabies," and we it was at this punk supergroup. I was playing bass and organ. <laughs> Dee was on the guitar and Rat was um, on the drums. Oh, and we had about five rehearsals and then Dee went back to America. So we never yeah. rehearsed. We didn't should record have recorded anything. it. We oh, never no. did. <laughs> That'd have been fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah, because no, I, I did. I played with Glenn Matlock for, for a while and I played with um, uh, Johnny Thunders as well. And... Heading west out of London on my way Car broke down in Shepherd's Bush Like the city didn't want to let me go All the years All the beers All the tears I'm finally on my way
For me, as a songwriter, I mean, I only started writing really serious about four, six years ago. And since then, I've made about six records. I'm, I'm incredibly writing a load of stuff. I'm just having a break now before I go into this thing. But uh, So didn't you write any of the, with the members? I did, did wrote most of the stuff early, but I, I, I got a computer in 2006 and began recording at home. And I recorded an album called Rock is in the Laptop, which... Um, which was very low fi I was just learning, and then I recorded a... I made a record with loads of people on the internet that I'd never met, which was an interesting experience, and um, really good experience with people all around the world, and I learned how to do that. Was that the blues? No, no, this is something called Strangers and Fiction. I had people from Russia, America, and everything on it. It's really, really brilliant record. And then the blues is an extension of that, and I did a... I, then I did my first concept album New English Blues Volume 1 and then I did I started working Volume 2 and then I wrote this opera called Goldborn Variations which is a proper pro, sort of 28 minute piece which is great and I've got the bass player from Pink Floyd Guy Pratt playing on it it's a really great piece of work I mean I think it's one of the best things I've wrote started off as a song called Goldborn Road and um then we had a jam in the studio. I thought, oh, God, this is another bit. And so I added it. And then it became the Goldborn Variations, which was sort of a pun on the Goldberg Variations. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Then, then, so then so I find myself in six years having six or seven albums I've made. Yeah. And I'm motoring, you know, and yeah. um, just really excited about the internet. And this is why I really love your blog and yeah. listening to it, because this is the way things happen you know well, I think so I mean it's an extension for me of, 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 like I said probably as a musician of finding a new lease of life I mean I was doing a fanzine in the 80s when I was stapling it together and Tipex and Letraset and I'm not computer literate but then you find out that actually you can use a computer and you can do all that again and you get you know you, there's something about computers I always think it's not real you don't, I don't yeah. get the emotion from no, it it's a musical instrument it's a printing it. presence it's everything you know. yeah, it's everything in one isn't it? and you can get a new lease of life from it and you can you can spread your music around the world, you know. Yeah. yeah. There was one track on on the, the I had one track that was a big hit on this New English Blues Volume One album, and some guy in America said, "I heard you were looking for stuff," and he sent me some bass and drums. And he was a progger, and it was a really great bass and drums track, and I just thought, start playing. Oh God, this is great! And it returned it to this song called Caveman TV. I love that song. Everybody loves this Caveman TV song. It's like Hawkwind meets the Water Boys. I don't know what it's like.
great summer record, I think. Somebody sent yeah. me this track, yeah. and and I've never done it, and I never spoke to the man on the phone ever. He's called Rob Grant, and he we met him in a forum, and he said I've got this track, and he sent it to me, and I cut it up, and it's just a really great record, yeah. and yeah. and it's about going on holiday in the near Render Chateau in the Pyrenees, and um, so things mad things happen yeah. like that, and it's just really good fun. So you're talking about getting back with the members, and I think as a three piece now, you're yeah. playing. It's great to see you play live, and I think with with Rat, you and Chris, it just works so well. You know, I mean, when you think about the members, to me, you're thinking, how are they going to do that? You know, how, how they going to do quite, so? Uh, go, go. Yeah, but it it just works so well. You know, and I think sometimes when you strip it down to the basic, it works really well. People really like it, and we've been playing with Rat Root and Chris, me and Chris, and Rat, and it just locked together and. Mm. Um, it sounds really good. It's a it's it's a good band. I, I really enjoy it and we've got a record out which has taken me two years to finish. Mm. More than two years and uh, So this is England. In Gurland, yeah, it's got yeah, it's it's in Gurland. The yeah. girl is in Angry Land, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. And um yeah, and so we we, we I, I recorded it and in bits and pieces and I stuck it all together again and then Rats only came in on the last bit of the album, so he's only yeah. on five tracks. Yeah. yeah. The other track is Nick Cash is playing drums on the other tracks, and yeah, um, yeah it's great. It's mm. it's a really varied album. It's got your favourite song on it, Gleek. Gleek, that's good. The live in Berlin version of Bleak mm. is pretty good as well. I think live it comes it comes over really well that track. You know? Yeah, no, no, it comes good. Yeah. Then he's another great Chris song. He's called Virus on the album, which is yeah. um, kind of grungy, and he is he that sings three great songs. He sings mm. four because he sings a version of Fire Brigade as well. Oh yeah, the cover. He does yeah, the yeah. the moves Fire Brigade, and then um, my tracks on the album are um, New English Blues, which is from my concept album New English Blues Volume 1 mm -hmm. and uh, there's another track yeah no it's great I really it's the first 
member studio album in 27 years. It sounds like the members, yeah. I hope. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Mm. Yeah. It and, does. Um, and it's a really strong album, isn't it? I mean, the, the whole the whole concept of I it can't get it on the radio. I've tried <laughs> to get it on the BBC and I can't get it on the radio. I think mm. there's probably a little bit of... Um, sometimes you get the impression that the more you push, the harder the door is shut. And Five Six Music still plays Sound of the Suburbs quite a lot. Yeah. And they still... Offshore banking business does get played on the radio, but yeah. it's kind of you sometimes wonder as well. Okay, is it because I was young and good looking that you played my records before and you won't play them now? Mm. Because we're going out, we're playing to largest audiences up and down the country, people really love it. Mm. But because we're not a young band, possibly, mm. I would say it's ageism. I would say, I'll hold my hand up and say it's ageism. And the, with a lot of the bands on the punk circuit, like Tim Smith, and and there's lots of really great bands out there, you know, Groundhogs and people like that still doing great shows. Yeah. And because they're not a young heavy metal band or whatever. Mm. With more energy than there's a lot of young bands I've seen recently as well. The Groundhogs oh, are fantastic, yeah. they're stunning, you know. Yeah. Well, you've only got to go and see the members play. How many, young, how many young bands are going to play like that? No, yeah. I tell you what, and I, I, thank you for saying that. You're, you're flattering me, but we do play really well, and it's, it's, it's got energy. It's got everything that had the wave had, except that we're men in our fifties playing it, you know. Mm. But still, you know, that doesn't it's still it's still valid. Yeah. And yeah. in my songwriting, I've tried to talk about old subjects. I'm having a midlife crisis. The state of England, you know, yeah. we try to address the ideas you know we're not just singing yeah. about driving being young yeah and yeah. also there's more interesting problems for older men isn't there singing about solitary confinement so you're talking about living in a bed bed sit and now you're talking about midlife crisis so you're coming around this all, all my songs my songs are very very strongly autobiographical all of them yeah. it's either that or songs about places mm -hmm. and that's why i wrote a whole opera about nw10 a song called nw10 about my divorce and then i've got a song about Goldbourne Road because I knew people in there and there's mm. something coming up about West Byfleet so places mm. where you're living you know mm. and it's in the English canon it's in the English hymn book that's what we're writing songs for the English rock hymn book we're not mm. writing pretend American songs you know mm. and we shouted and screamed about this in 1977 78, 79 and that's why lyrics are so important mm. so you know you have one chance to get on that pulpit and speak to a thousand people mm. 
Don't sing, I loved her because her hair was yellow. You know, sing, you know, mm. I'm living in Slough and I'm fed up. Mm. People want that. Mm. Because that that's your one chance to say yeah. something, you know. Yeah, that's true. And that's why you've got your blog. It's quite like, I quite like the way you write your blog as well. You've got a chance to say something. So you don't, you don't just say, yeah, it's really great. Everything's really great. The band's right. You're just incisive, informative. This is what I've done. I've been to see that. It's quite interesting. Oh, thank you. Whereas you did, which is completely different from normal rock reporting. great movie with um, Julian Temple called This Is London which I'm really excited about I've done the soundtrack for it oh, it's all the original music for it it's yeah. a two hour film about London oh, so I'm, I'm really lucky to be you know busy you know I'm, I'm rocking with my band I'm making records yeah. Yeah, it's and, well, and I've done this, this film soundtrack which and that film is, is going to be really really good mm. I haven't heard about this, so what's it? It's just it's called This Is London. It's a two-hour film about London and music, written in music. And initially they brought me in to do some... To, to make some... They had problems with copyrighted material on it, so I, I had a speciality where I, I did it on Oil City Confidential. I, I, did, I, I did copies of all the stuff they had problems or wrote new music for mm. stuff they had problems with copyright. So on, on this new film, you'll hear me doing playing jazz, <laughs> doing a version of Keith West's excerpt from a teenage opera, doing some synthesizer work, going into the Clash songs. I've written some bits. I've done some tea dance stuff. It's quite interesting. Oh, but Julian, if you loved Oil City, you'll love this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the history of Once Upon a Time in London. It's the history of London in two hours, and it's... That sounds good. It's kind of good, yeah. yeah it's um, what, is this due for release soon? Is it? Is it still in? Yeah, it's, it's going out on the BBC, I believe, and also there will be a premiere, art house premiere at, I think the Gate Cinema. I'll let you know when it's on. Ooh. It's like Oil City, but but instead of the band, instead of being about the Philbys, it's about London, since about um, the hundred years of London. Sounds great. And Adam's got his All City Confidential T-shirt on today. Yeah. How about that? It's Adam's. Adam's. My brother. Partners, brother in Adam's yeah. brother-in-law is the producer. He oh, works with them, Julian. Yeah. yeah. And this is the third film I've done because I did a bit on the Joe Strummer one, and then I worked on Oil City, and then I oh, worked I on this one. So. Uh, oh, we'll have to get Julian Temple to do a Jetsonics members tour documentary or something, <laughs> then, won't we? <laughs> yeah. We, we, we have been approached about <laughs> somebody came on tour with us to do a gig in Norwich and it really was the gig with two men and a dog there you know <laughs> and this guy said oh, oh yeah, yeah it's great it'll be the punk anvil and was like um <laughs> <laughs> to a dinner party in Adelstone and I, and I was dreading it and then somebody said oh you might like this guy who plays the bass this old fella and he started explaining to me that he'd um, 
play, been a session player in the 60s and he played on Jetem, which is one of my favourite records. Oh, great. Yeah. And then he played on this record called The History of... I can't remember the word. Oh, the Melody Nelson. That's right, yeah. yeah. Oh, he did. He played yeah. on that. Oh, wow, that's one of my favourite albums. That's actually. right. Well, he I played... mean, that's, that is bass all the way through the album, isn't it? It no, no. pretty much hangs on the, the But the he bass. played this amazing bass style and he oh, still yeah. got the bass guitar that did it. And I think it's a style that was copied by Air on Moon That's Safari right, and everything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, wow, I'd really like to come and record you. And he said, well, I've just got Logic on, on a computer and I don't really know how to work it. So I said, oh, I'd like to come, I'll come by your place. He lives in Staines, mm-hmm. as people like that do by the river. But, <laughs> so I went round there and he, he started messing around and I said, oh, well, plug, get the old Burns bass out. The one that he played on the Histoire de Melody Nelson. And he said, Oh, it doesn't normally sound good. And I said, No, I'll make it sound good. And I fiddled around a bit. And then I heard it, you oh, know, yeah. and I heard this is. And he said, Yes, that's the sound. It's about the 70s, getting on a bit. So I said, Do you fancy making a record? And he said, Yeah, I'd like to make one, you know. And I played some electric piano, and so I think I'm going to be making a record with this guy. That'd be fantastic. I think so, yeah. I, I mean, he's called Dave um, Richmond and he's a lovely man and the bass just sounds great. Well, tell me why it's one of your favourite records. I don't know. I mean, I, I like French music. I like, <coughs> I, like, I like Serge Gainsbourg. I like all that French yeah, yeah stuff. But I, I just particularly like that album. I, there's something about it, the whole mood of it. And it's, it's... I generally like pretty straightforward one, two, three, four music. But there's something about the album as a whole, as a concept, the sound of it. I'm a bass player myself, so the bass sound, the, the story, the well, concept, maybe you everything should play about a track from the Histoire yeah, in your I podcast. Think that would be a good idea. by this complete coincidence and I suddenly find myself three days later sitting next to the room in the room and he said do you fancy making a record and I said yeah I think we should make a record because I suddenly heard hearing you know, bits of Moon Safari coming out and you know mm. well this is where it's all from and I love French music I'm half French and and then I'd heard they'd redone it at the Jarvis Cocker redone it at some the Queen Elizabeth Hall well, he's a big fan, isn't he? he yeah, yeah they, but they, yeah. what they'd done is this other bass player called Herbie Flowers oh, yes, had pretended yeah. that he'd done all the bits that Dave had done. Oh, OK. Well, he's more high-profile, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, but yeah. Dave's particular sound is plectrum bass yeah. high up on the neck yeah. of the Burns Bison. Yeah, yeah. And there's just one bit which is like the orgasm where he pulls the note, the boom, on Jatem. And it's just lovely, and I want to try and capture a bit of that. So, don't quite know what we've done. We've done one instrumental so far, yeah. and I'd like to maybe do a rework of one of those songs from that period because I've got 
I just like, I mean, that just kind of appeals to me, you know, and yeah. as you mm-hmm. love it, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's got this kind of weird, yeah. mad, forgotten chord of, of music. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I got the, they, they re-released that recently. Have well, you got the box it? set? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. the blue coverage? Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing, you know, the whole the whole thing behind it, I don't know why, it just, it just captured me. And I, I, I mean, I love Paris, I love the music, the atmosphere of it, I love him uh, as an artist, um, fantastic character. Did you see the film, the the Jetem film? The Gainsbourg, the 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 the, the no the, the movie Jetem. There's a movie called Jetem One en Plus, which stars Jane Birkin and Joe D'Alessandro. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. final sex scene is Jetem. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's got a kind of Warhol esque vibe to it because it mm. is really mad. Mm. It's about two gay rubbish collectors. Joe D'Alessandro <laughs> and his boyfriend have a job, run a business, collecting rubbish, and they're kind of good-looking, you know, gay guys, and they meet Jane Birkin in a cafe, and he thinks he's a boy, and falls in love with that. I mean, it's really seriously, it's like a Warhol movie, you know, it's yeah, kind of lots yeah. of, and then the final scene, they're making love in the back of his rubbish truck. <laughs> and this beautiful song comes, and it is... I mean, Joe Desandro became on... It's kind of a weird timeline, because he became one of the Warhol stars, didn't yeah. he? That's right, yeah. Yeah, he was an orphan, wasn't he? Yeah. Flesh and... Yeah. But I don't know what how is this movie, Je Tem One and Plus, how that fits, but it's, I suppose, it's the missing link between the New York and Paris art scenes. Yeah, yeah. Have on guard new wave. There you go, there's a new one for you. Yeah. <laughs> because then yeah, then we're going back to the punk and new wave and how that's how, you know, it was a it was connected to the Velvet Underground and it was there was a hidden little underground river that went from the Velvet mm-hmm. Underground. Anybody that liked punk liked the Velvet Underground and the studios or or if you didn't know about mm-hmm. them, you went back and researched and was like, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of river that froze through rock and roll, but yeah. Not necessarily mm-hmm. through the commercial thing of it. It's just for mm-hmm. the serious collector, you know, for the yeah. for the gentleman that likes his music, like a kind <laughs> of weird pervert kind of thing. You know what I mean? Under the counter, you know, that's you right. That yeah, thirteenth yeah. floor elevator, seven inch, please. You know, oh, yeah, because yes, so here we go. it had to be <laughs> forbidden or unknown for you yeah. to like it because you couldn't really like what was pumped out on. Do you remember you watched some of the pops? It's like shit, 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 shit. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Suddenly you feel really, really artistically fulfilled. Mm. You get emails from people around the world saying, God, I really love that track you've done. And, mm. You know, and like working mm. with the Jetsonics, they, they get much better. Suddenly, 
you've got a string to your bow and you just it's really good for you you know so there's lots of exciting things I mean, yeah. I mean I'm lucky to be doing it and um, but also lucky to be talking to you because I love your your podcast and I hope you've got loads of bits to put in records I wish you would do we got, yeah Got some we'll, make it we'll make it sounding. And here's the Archies. Have you got a sponsor for your show? No. <laughs> Not yet. No, we, we no, we don't. We don't. One of the no. biggest, <laughs> longest-running radio shows in America was the King Biscuit mm. Flower mm. Hour. It's, we it need to do that, don't we? It might be. Um, <laughs> How about Brentford, Bombay mix? Brentford FC. What product with men of our age be needing? Viagra. So JC, thank you very much indeed. Lovely to, have you, the dash, Lovely to have you in the pod. Um, and where can we where can we catch up with you? Is it on the members? The members co UK. It's all com. Okay. I'm there, and um, I just love the retro man blog. I'm going to run out the door now, and so you can talk about me and say, "Oh, I don't." don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank right, you very much. Take care. See you later. See ya. See ya. Somebody's got this old master tape of X Generation X and members. Some guys. Really? I, bought, I bought an organ off a guy at a car boot sale. I'm going to come pick it up next week. And he's got this tape, multi track tape of the members in 1979. Oh, great. With a rare track that's never seen the light of day on wow. it. Cool. So Bonus it track for our next okay. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 we'll, yeah, you'll have it first. Do they get groupies? Do a, does a tribute band get a groupie? Does someone go, I want to sing? No, they get groupies. I'm not going to quite go all the way. <laughs> I've heard people saying that they book them. Some okay. of the bands they book, um, like they, they behave like they're rock stars. You know, they, they're, they're in the Bon Jovi experience and they, you know, they're asking for you know, £1,500 a night and all that kind of thing. And Blue M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs>